to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. So sometimes people ask me, is there one part of the Bible that matters to you more than any other, that starts to sum it all up, some, some passage of scripture that you think, without that passage in the Bible, it just wouldn't be the Bible? Well, sometimes I will open to something that we call the Beatitudes. So I want you to listen as best you can with your ears and also with your heart to what Jesus says to us. Jesus looked up at his disciples. Teachers used to sit on the ground when they taught. So Jesus looks up at his disciples and says, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you or revile you or defame you on account of the Son of Humanity. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. That is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that's what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer them the other one also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, don't withhold even your underwear. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. My guess is that for many of you, the Bible... And the world that the Bible describes either often or always seems like an alternate universe. It seemed this way to me for a long time. I remember getting an adult Bible, a real Bible, when I was in fourth grade. And I valued it so much that I put it on a shelf 
and never took it down again, <laughs> like some holy relic of veneration. My ambivalent feelings about the Bible didn't change, even though I showed up at church almost every Sunday. I certainly couldn't figure out Jesus. Was he God or human? Who knew, right? And those Old Testament stories, the myths and the wars, the exaggerated histories of a land and a people that seems to me so far away from a kid growing up in central Ohio that they might as well have been about Mars and Martians. The Bible is strange. I mean, let no one tell you it's not strange. Its strangeness can be part of its power. It can feel like it's coming in from out of the blue into our lives. But what I have finally come to after years and years of reading this book, and maybe also after years and years of living, is that the Bible is also utterly normal. The Bible is written by people exactly like you. The Bible is written about people exactly like you. And so, of course, the Bible is for people exactly like you. Our Bible is a story about how God inhabits the lives of people who are just like the one that you saw in the mirror this morning, if you dared to take a look. I couldn't see that until I actually saw it. That is, I couldn't see it, I couldn't understand that truth until I encountered a piece of religious art that literally showed it to me. In the early 2000s, I visited Los Angeles and I went on a tour of the newly opened LA Cathedral. This is a picture of that cathedral taken from the back. You can see it's a modern space with colors that echo the browns of Southern California. Inside, this cathedral is filled with art. Lining the walls of the nave are these woven tapestries. They are larger-than-life images of human beings. All of the people face the same direction. All of them are facing toward the front of the church, toward the chancel. They stand shoulder to shoulder, mirroring the worshiping congregation. If you step closer and get a closer look at these tapestries, the images become even more striking. You see there all kinds of human faces. They are different ages, different genders. Their skin is a different color from each other. Their eyes and their noses and their hair are all different. They are dressed differently, too. Their dress reflects the different parts of the world that they come from, but also the different times in history in which 
they lived. A few of the faces are recognizable. Almost everyone recognizes Mother Teresa of Calcutta, whose image is there on the tapestries. If you know your saints, you will be able to pick out others. You'll see Francis of Assisi, mystics like Teresa of Avila, scholars, great scholars like Thomas Aquinas. You'll see Martin de Porres, the biracial Peruvian who took care of the poor of Lima. You'll even see the apostles Peter and Paul. And then every now and then, sprinkled among the famous followers of Jesus, there are other figures. A teenager with braids. A young man in a t-shirt. A woman holding a squirming baby. And you ask, are these famous people? Like, should I know who they are? The answer is no. The answer is also yes. According to the artist, these are people who are part of the parish in the city of Los Angeles. They are the people in the pews every Sunday. And they are young, and they are old, and they are Chinese, and black, and Latino, and they are wondering and wandering and hoping people. The theological vision on the tapestries in the Los Angeles Cathedral hit me all at once. Every child of God is a saint in the making. God, of course, does not keep separate categories for human beings. Saints who do God's will over here, and then regular folks like you and me who never really quite get it over here. We are all God's beloveds, and it is the nature of our God to pour out God's patient, merciful, kind, compassionate love into every single one of us at every single moment of our lives. God does this so that each one of us might become a saint. That includes your uncle, who sits in his chair and watches too much television. It includes the third grader you know with the wide, scared eyes. It includes the woman sitting in her chair right now at the long-term care facility. It includes the man you visited last weekend at the detention center. It includes the woman who spent last night sleeping in her car. All of them are saints in the making. And it also includes you. The writer Frederick Beekner says that it is our secret purpose to become saints. But he says it is God's unsecret purpose to make us saints. 
It is the nature of reality itself to enlighten and set free the whole creation down to the last blade of grass. It is the ultimate purpose of God, Beekner says, to make us all to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's always been easier for me to see God working in the lives of other people than to see God at work in myself. Of course God speaks to Abraham and to Moses and to Hagar, and to all those people whom God meets in the Bible. Peter and Mary get to meet Jesus face to face. Paul gets blinded and gets to see a vision of Christ on the road to Damascus. And most of us, if you, if you asked us, could say that God does touch real human flesh. We've, we've seen and heard people, Martin Luther King Jr. or Desmond Tutu or the Dalai Lama or even Jimmy Carter, right? These are, these are God's prophets. These are God's saints. These are people whose lives are clearly touched by the divine. But does God inhabit the lives of people whom we, whom we actually know? If I pressed you, you might remember the faces of people whom you know and love, whose hands have held your own, whose patient and merciful and kind and compassionate love were like God for you. Maybe there was someone who cradled you and sang to you. Someone who nursed your bruises. Someone who taught you patiently the alphabet. Someone who opened your eyes to the wonder of the world. Someone who held your hand long enough until you were brave enough to let go. Someone who listened to your fears and then showed you how to face them. Someone who helped you put your heart back together when it broke. Someone who modeled integrity for you. Someone who trusted you. Someone who forgave you. Someone who grieved with you. Someone who prayed for you. Someone who stayed with you. I know you can name the saints in your life. It is through these ordinary, everyday people who are also everyday, ordinary saints that you can say for sure, yes, Our God does inhabit the lives of real, normal people. I know this is true because I saw the love of God in my grandmother, in my brother, in my best friend. My question for you is, will you you finally acknowledge that God is also inhabiting your life? Will you acknowledge that God, the 
the strange, mysterious, peculiar, otherworldly, tender and powerful and grace-filled God is, even right now in your life, by the Spirit making you into the stature and the fullness of Christ. Could you even entertain the idea that in a room full of people who are asked to remember God's prophets and saints, that someone could be remembering you? I know that you are a saint to someone. I know that your image belongs up there on the wall of the cathedral. And I know that your name is written alongside Moses's and Mary Magdalene's and Mother Teresa's. I know this is true because I know that the Bible is not a strange book from another planet. It is our book. It is about a God who inhabits the lives of utterly normal people And you are its main character. Our God creates the world out of love. And creates each of us in God's image. And no matter what we do in our lives, no matter how far away we stray, no matter the mess we make of things, God keeps coming to find you, to love you, to gather you, to where you belong, which is in the great communion of saints from every time and every place who sing praises to the glory of God. May your life assume the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let the people of God Let the community of saints say together, Amen. Amen.